I want to thank you so much for tuning into our podcast called Cooking in the Catskills. I am your host, Brett August. I've cooked in some of New York City's finest restaurants. I've worked next to some people that were tattooed from their eyeballs to their toes. I've traveled all over the world and eaten some of the best food ever. We're going to have some amazing stories from some of the Catskill's finest chefs, from some of the chefs that I've worked with that have inspired me to become who I am. We're going to have some amazing stories from our family members that grew up in the Catskills from when they were little kids. And we're going to have a best time ever. And today's guest is Jack Rosbrook. Jack is going to entertain us with some of his amazing stories from when he was just a little tater tot to a growing up adult and his great memories of the Catskills. How are you today, Jack? Feeling good. First, Jack, most of you also know you as Dr. Jack. Jack was not my my official name, it was Jacob. Jacob. But my mother used to call me Jackie, and because of that, people called me Jack. Jack, you are a fundamental key to our podcast. You have Catskill blood that runs deep in you. Your parents are survivors of the Holocaust. You are the enforcer. You are the older of Alfie, which is Alice and my wife's father. You grew up in a tremendous time in New York City when everybody was migrating and I want to know a little bit about your life story. I want to know about when your mother and your father woke up in the morning and they said, hey, we're hopping in the car to go to the country. And I want you to walk me through a day in your life of that time. Well, first of all, it was for the whole summer. We, we left as soon as I finished school, whatever school I was going to. Initially, we didn't have a car. My father's cousin, Marty, rented a van. And uh, we packed everything in there that we would have the whole summer, and especially the pots and pans that we were going to be using. We, we actually had a mishap because we, we didn't have room in the van, so we rented one of these U-Hauls. And right in the middle of the bridge on the way to the Catskills, the whole thing blew open, and we were running around catching our <laughs> clothes. So how old were you when you started going up to the Catskills? When we came here... To this country was 1953. I spoke Italian for two years. I couldn't, you know, I didn't know English. And somewhere around the age of seven, we started going up to the Catskills. I know that my father took a job in Monticello. Your father took a job in, so that's really important too, because your father was a butcher and it's such a, a key part to everything that we're doing here as well. He took a job in Monticello and he was just working up there during the summertime or was he working up there all year round? Oh, no, 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 just the summertime. We, we lived in the Bronx at that point. That's where he learned the trade from, actually from his cousin. And that's where he was working until we moved to Brooklyn. So, but it was always in the city. And then in the uh, summertime, I guess, because that was the only way we could afford it, he became a butcher at, in a store in Monticello. I think that 
it was their intention to get to the Catskills. Was it because you wanted to get, because it was a tough time in the city, it was too hot in the city, you needed to get somewhere? That was part of, I'm sure that was part of it, but uh, I think the biggest part was that a lot of the people they, um, they knew from the old country and a lot of the people that they went through the Holocaust with were going to the Catskills. There were a group of people that, and my parents felt comfortable with. That's a really important part that you told me, and I'm glad you did, because the Jewish people were going out to the Catskills because they felt safe. Because when you were a little kid and you were on the streets in Brooklyn, it was very tough, right? It was, uh, a di- it was a different time. It was a different place. You had to guard your brother. So when you were in the Catskills, it was like home for you. It, you could be on the green grass, in the country. I used to want to get my sneakers ready for the grass. So I, I'd find any little plot of grass and with my sneakers, walk around on it just so I could get ready to get out there. So clearly I was excited about it. So you had a pair of sneakers and you were so excited to get to the country, but you wanted to get your sneakers ready. So you found a piece of grass or somewhere in Brooklyn or whatever, put your sneakers on and dirty them up. So when you got out to the not that dirty, just the green. Just the I green part. I wanted the bottom of my sneakers to get used to the grass. <laughs> it was so, it was ridiculous, but that's what I was thinking in those days. You know, do me a favor and tell me, I looked at pictures of you uh, when you were, I don't know, I guess maybe your 30s. because So you were a kid, and you actually loved it so much that you were married, and you started taking your kids there. But I saw a picture of you, um, maybe 30s, and a pair of swimming trunks with your wife laying down in a swimming pool, and you were some sexy stallion. Thank you. You were really good looking. You had muscles, your upper body, you had some smile. So you really enjoyed it. And the reason why I say that to you is because you were comfortable there. You know, that smile of not being stressed. It's interesting that you say it's interesting that you bring this up because initially my friends were all girls. They they like they they liked me. Uh, the boys, uh, the boys at the Bungalow Colony in Mountaindale, uh, they weren't sure that they, I, mean, I don't know whether they were jealous or they were afraid of me, but uh, I got along with the girls and they taught me how to dance. <laughs> and uh, I, that dancing was, I was pretty good at it. I actually became a dance instructor at a hotel in the Catskills when I was uh, 18. I was counselor for the teenagers at this hotel. And I was teaching them how to dance. I see. I knew that I would bring something up. I say that you were very good looking when I saw that. And now you're telling me you were a dance instructor. You had nothing but ladies as friends. It all makes sense. It's No, no, no. I didn't have nothing but ladies. But the girls, I felt very comfortable <laughs> around them. And they were comfortable around me. Great. There was no jealousy. You know, food is such a big part of our podcast. And... You know, it's not so much with you, you know, and I know you love matzo ball soup and all the wonderful things like we do, the <laughs> chopped liver and, you know, things. And I know, Jenny, your daughter told me you had cottage cheese for breakfast, and that's great. Well, but, I just had matzo balls. I just had them because Jenny uh, had a Shabbos dinner last night, and she saved some matzo balls and chicken soup for me. <laughs> so I just had them for lunch. Oh, that's great. 
your family roots, your history, and it's rubbed off on my wife as well, Allison. It's it's so important. And I want to thank you for just taking time and talking with us. Are you going up to the Catskills as much as you did back and forth and spending the summers? How did it round you out to become the man that you are? I mean, you're a great established doctor and you have great kids and, you know, the Catskills is all here and it's in your blood so much, but how did it, or did it at all? Did it affect you? Did it round you out to be the man you are? Well, I have to, to some degree, because uh, when you were right, when I was in, in Brooklyn, I had to fight for basically position on the block. So I, I was, I had to deal with, a lot of bad things. I went to a very bad public school. Uh, I went to a junior high school where they pushed the principal off the roof. I mean, basically, I was in a tough neighborhood. So the Catskills were safe, safety. And you were right. I never thought of it that way. But that was the easy part of my life. I think my parents had more to do with it than anything else. And also, it was expected. I'm a firstborn to a Holocaust survivor. It was expected that I would do well. I mean, there was no choice. Of course, the other choice was I could I could have flunked everything, but I did <laughs> exactly what they wanted me to do. I'm just that kind of person. And when I start something, I finish it. Let's say that. When you start something, you finish it. And I think you're exactly right. You, from childhood all the way till now, mm-hmm. and you have a wonderful family. We used to have, uh, we didn't have a bungalow right away. We, we, we stayed in a house with multiple families. Uh, basically, 10 or 12 families shared two bathrooms and a kitchen. What was it called? The kitchen was Cook-a-Lane. Cook-a-Lane? I don't know if that I don't know if that translates into exactly what it is. Basically, a, a group of families, usually six, with individual tables, individual stoves, individual refrigerator, and we ate as a family, and the other five could eat at the same time or not. It was independent stuff. My mother cooked all, everything. We, we never went to a restaurant. My, my father brought the food. Uh, he, he was a butcher, so he brought a lot of meat, but we, uh, we didn't have a car. We didn't have any way to... One of the people at the... Uh, in the bungalow colony, offered to buy, to go to the store and get us food. I'm talking about ages like seven through 14, you know, about seven years, oh, wow. 15, whatever. And uh, those were, you know, important years for making, you know, my personality. But it was, uh, what I wanted to point out is that the cat skills were a way of life in those days for people who emigrated to, to this country. Uh, we didn't go to the Lower East Side, but I guess they found room in the Bronx. Basically, we were brought, we were brought to the to this country to share a lifestyle with our cousins. We couldn't. There's no. There was no other way to get here. So that was how we got a visa. We got here in '53, and uh, eventually, I ended up where where I'm now. But it wasn't that easy. People need to know how important the Catskills were for people well, they were during also, your time. They were also important because we originally were in this, this multiple room house. Where our room was two beds, one for my mother and father and one for my brother and I. 
in the same room. That was it. We then eventually, I guess my father earned the, enough money to get a bungalow. Uh, I had my first job there. I was a busboy at a hotel called the Pine Lodge, which was in Monticello. Yeah, we passed the Pine Lodge um, all the time. The Pine Lodge Hotel was my cousin's hotel, and it was right outside of Monticello. I learned how to drive there. Then I worked at the Concord as a cabana boy, but I'm not really sure why we stopped. Uh, I think things were changing around that time. Basically, all the families kind of went on their own way. Thank you for being on Cooking in the Catskills. You're welcome, Brad, for making me reminisce. Jack Rosbrook, you killed it. I love your stories. Thank you so much for being a guest on our show today here at Cooking in the Catskills with your host, Brad August. Until we talk again, my friend, eat well and be well.